You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Happy Hump Day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be catching up with Jeremy Dinsmore. If you don't know who he is, he is the host of the Antler Up podcast that is on the Sportsman's Empire podcast network as well. And what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about a recent scouting mission that he went on. Now, the best thing to do would be to go and listen to the last episode that Jeremy was on and where we talk about this upcoming scouting mission. Uh, He had been doing some e-scouting. So he went in there for basically like a 24-hour mission, scouted his balls off, found some stuff, and then he's basically reporting back to us on what he found. And based off of what he's found how he's going to attack this piece of property, whether or not he thinks it's good, how much time he thinks he's going to give it until he, you know, blows out of there and and tries spot B or spot C or whatever. So a huge shout out to Jeremy for taking time out of his day to do this, man. Um, Intro, man, pretty short. I'll be honest, I got carried away today. It's, uh, I'm, I'm editing this all up on Tuesday uh, after Labor Day, and here's what I've been doing for the last three hours. I know two hours. I'll, I'll just conservatively say two hours. I've been looking at uh, out-of-state hunts. I've been calling the public land managers there, talking about access, and I've asked asking questions about access, asking questions about what roads are private and what roads are public, and trying to get as much information out of people as possible that work for the the state or federal agency that I've you know sometimes it's state ground, sometimes it's uh, federal ground, and so uh, they have different rules and regulations on where you can park and uh, what vehicles you can take where, and so. I have been looking, you know, calling up and saying, hey, are e-bikes illegal? Or, hey, do I have to camp in a campground? Or, um, you know, 
Like, can I park off of this road? Anyway, uh, lots of questions and basically just gathering information about uh, a couple specific spots on some of my out-of-state hunts this upcoming fall. And I just wanted to keep, you know, I just wanted to get that information out so I so I can prepare for if I need to walk a long ways or ride my e-bike and then walk or, you know, basically then that allows me to say, okay, I can e- I can e-scout up to here because if I if it's like four miles, then it you know becomes pretty tricky. Some of you guys might say, "Oh, that's nothing. Four miles is nothing." And you're probably right; it's not. But you know, am I gonna? Do I need to have find a parking spot for my bike and then walk another couple miles, or do I have you know, or do I have to do a whole bunch of different things? So that's what I've been doing in the past. You know, over the past two hours, I, I was gonna edit this, but then I got into. I call it the e-scouting black hole, and it, it's it's when you only plan on just a couple minutes, but the next thing you know, two hours have gone by, and you don't have any work done except for e-scouting, which is going to benefit you anyway. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, hopefully, you guys are getting ready for the upcoming season. Hopefully, your bows and your weapons are, are tuned and ready to go. Hopefully, you've done your scouting. Hopefully... Uh, some of you guys are probably getting ready to start, if not started already. So good luck this upcoming season, guys. And and I'm looking forward to hearing from each and every one of you with your success. Now, commercials. We got to do some commercials here. And I'm just going to knock the first, you know, knock these out real quick. Um, you know I'm a huge fan of ozone. Uh, whether it's in the tree stand or whether it's just to clean the clothes, the odor off of the clothes after the uh, after the the hunt or before the hunt. So uh, go check out ozonicshunting.com and read up on all of the units that they have. Uh, they also have educational content in there that will allow you to understand how O3 works and how to properly properly use it and apply it to your hunting strategy. So go check out Ozonics. If you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. I mean, you've probably heard it before. You've probably heard of Tethered before, especially if you've listened to this podcast. I'm looking forward to getting in a saddle and starting to shoot. So go uh, go check out Tethered. Lots of uh, cool information coming out of that camp. Lots of cool products. Wasp Archery. I actually have to email my buddy fred over there today or tomorrow and tell him dude i need some more broadheads i need some more broadheads i've i've used up all of my uh uh wasp three blade jackhammers and i need some more so that's the that is the head that i use the most is the mechanical wasp uh three blade jackhammer 100 grain dominate they just destroy anything they touch so go go uh, to wasparchery.com and read up on all the heads that they offer discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off next on the list vortex optics go take a look at the new triumph hd binocular very affordable price uh, very high quality and uh, you know while you're there uh, vortexoptics.com check out their gear like their clothing their apparel line their lifestyle brand and then rifle scopes spotting scopes binoculars you name it they have it uh vortexoptics.com i'm excited to check out the old code blue scent trail cameras that i have soaking right now to not the actual trail camera but the mock scrape setup that i've used with code blue scents in front of that so 
I'm looking forward to seeing how that pays off. If you want to find out more information about Code Blue, the Rope-A-Dope system, their scent elimination products, their uh, synthetic and real deer scents, go check out CodeBlueScents.com. Uh, Woodman's Pal, I'm looking to hacking, looking forward to hacking some chopping, some more shooting lanes. Looking forward to, you know, having a, that in my pack. So like when I need to climb up a tree, I can just, you know, smash some, smash some more shooting lanes and uh, it's a durable product. Woodmanspal.com, made in America product, very durable. Uh, They've been around since the forties. So uh, go check those guys out. Uh, And last but not least, Huntworth, man, I got all my gear ready. The only thing I need, think I need to do for this early season is give it a pro. I can't even say this word. It's embarrassing. Promethrin. Promethrin, I believe it is. Uh, so the ticks and the chiggers don't bother me. I need to get, uh, give it a bath, a permethrin bath. And uh, dude, like they say, man, 80 to 90% of the quality of some of the elite brands, but at about 50% of the actual cost. So if you're looking for a very high quality yet affordable uh, camel brand, you definitely got to go check out Huntworth. So there we go. Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Ozonics, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, and Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, it's that time, guys. We got to start setting expectations for our wife, for our girlfriend, for our loved ones, and let them know what dates are going to be gone. Because if you just throw a curveball at them all of a sudden and they're not prepared for it, that's when shit hits the fan. And that's when you cannot go out and enjoy your hunt because you have somebody at home complaining to you about what the heck is going on so um go do that too it's very important uh let's get into today's episode with jeremy dinsmore three two one ladies and gentlemen from the antler up podcast mr jeremy dinsmore jeremy what's up dude oh man dan it's always a good time to come back on and chat with you and just anytime I get a chance to chat, it's always a good day with you, man. Heck yeah, Appreciate man. it. Hey, um, it's September. <laughs> I mean, it's September, dude. Like, it's crazy. I don't know about you, but I feel like September 1st, especially for Iowa, for me, marks a, you know, there's 30 days now or some, something like that. Either, I don't even know how many days are in September, but 30 days until the Iowa opener. And there's something about this thir- this next 30 days where my mindset kind of changes. I get off of the, you know, the, the fat and happy summer type vibe. And then I go into this, like, really starting to focus on my getting all my gear ready, planning my trips, making sure all the bases are covered at home, and just, like, really hyper-focusing on what needs to be done so I can hunt as much as possible. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. Yeah. that. And things are, you know, what's so funny is uh, next weekend, so that uh, would be the 8th or 9th, whatever that Saturday is, I'll be doing my first hunt. It'll be actually in Maryland. So going out of going out of state for, for the first one to give it a go and really excited about that one. I'm going with a, a buddy of mine that I hunted Ohio uh, spring turkey with. So, and he actually used to live down in Maryland where we're going to go hunt because he was stationed there. So he has some prior Intel has killed some, some, uh, good amount of deer bucks, does, you name it. And, uh, honestly, Dan, I'm going down there with a uh, open mind, 
I don't really have any limitations, if that makes sense. If it's mm-hmm. a doe first thing in the morning that gives a shot opportunity on me, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be able to get a shot off and, and uh, try to just really knock the cobwebs off, if that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm using this as uh, the analogy of, of football. When I used to coach football, obviously you have your, your Friday night you know, uh, lights to, to go out and play, but then Thursday's that walkthrough. Yep. I'm, using, I'm using this trip as my, my hunting walkthrough, I guess you, you can go. say, to make sure everything's dialed in, ready to go for, for a PA to kick off, like you said, the end of September, and then midway through uh, October I'll be uh, going through uh, to, uh, to Ohio as well. Perfect. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but I got some nonsense yep. that I want to be be asked with you a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, and before, before we get too crazy, number one, you're from Michigan. What football team do you, what college football team do you cheer for? Well, I'm from PA. I'm oh, Penn, from yeah, that's PA. what I meant. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so are you I'll, a Penn State fan? Yeah. So uh, that's my alma mater. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's Penn State, but I'll tell you what though, Dan, this whole college, uh, I don't know if this is the rabbit hole you're going down, but this, I, I don't know what it is. I used to love college sports, and I, I don't care. The kids, I mean, I don't care what, what fence you're side on the fence of you are, should they get paid or not get paid. But this yeah. whole realignment, all this crazy stuff, it's bizarre. Like, I saw that the uh, ACC is bringing in the potentially bringing in Stanford, SMU, and uh, Cal. Well, it's not the Atlantic Conference anymore. Exactly. If that happens, you know? It's exactly. Just, yeah. I mean, I don't understand. So, so the Big Ten is going to have like eighteen teams now, or something yep. like that. Because uh, uh, who's who's joining them? We got or- Oregon, Oregon. We have U- UCLA and, Florida, and USC. Uh, yep, USC. But there's one more out of the Pac-10. Washington. Washington. That's right. Yep. I don't get it, man. And like here, pretty soon know. it's going to be all of like the Big Twelve is going to end up disappearing and then what i have a feeling and the pack 12 is going to end up disappearing and it's like just going to yep it's going to end up being this either a whole bunch of independents like notre dame or and i even feel like notre dame's going to jump into the big 10 at some point because yeah. there's going to be this huge this, this huge riff and then it's going to be all sec and all big 10 and then maybe some really some other small conferences so I don't know. It's all about that money, man. It's crazy. It is really bizarre. I mean, I don't know. It just shakes the landscape up of, and I mean, obviously football is the biggest, but you know, I know you're a diehard wrestling fan. And uh, I mean, it just, no matter what sport activity these kids are going to be doing, it's, it's just bizarre. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't have the luxury. I mean, I, I love baseball. So man, would it be cool? Like to go watch, I mean, Penn State baseball is, you know, always hasn't been that that greatest and everything like that. But at the same time, it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. sure. Let's go out to, the, you know, catch a USC game type of ordeal. If, but I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I just, it's just weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for the old school ways in, in a way. Although I think it would be cool to go to, uh, you know, Kinnick Stadium and watch Iowa play Washington. Because, you know, we played Washington in a couple Rose Bowls back in the day, you know, in, back in the 80s and things like that. And or, you know, hey, guess guess who's coming to Iowa City this weekend? It's USC or, you know, some of these other teams that I've ne- that we've never played before. And so that I think initially it would be cool, but I yeah. don't know, man. There's so much history that gets compromised, I think, when when you do this and and 
it loses its gusto when it's just it, it you know it's all about money yeah yeah well and even these even these facilities that uh, oh, yeah. you know i mean there's a new thing at beaver stadium that they're doing for this year where they call it the um tunnel pass or something along those lines i'm a bunch of schools even big uh pro team stadiums have it where like where the team walks out now there's these suites right along each side where you could watch the game mm-hmm. but i i caught wind of how much it would cost for uh, you you buy a package and it's four tickets but you don't go into the stadium like yes you're what how many feet away from being in the game but you're just sitting in that luxury three suite underneath the bleachers i guess you would say and it's like ten thousand dollars like what like why are you paying that man there's so many dumbasses out there that would pay <laughs> that pay the, like ridiculous amounts of money for things like that I, I don't know if you i guess if you got the disposable income yeah and you sure. just want to blow the money do it i don't know whatever <sighs> now <laughs> uh iowa hawkeyes Man, I love the Iowa Hawkeyes. Man, I love college football. I love watching every team play. I love. I just love college football. Iowa is a team, though, that the the athletic department must be okay with Iowa finishing seven and five every year, or seven and you know four, or whatever, whatever they're they're okay with just being average all the time. And it's it really has started to piss me off, especially when we hire like Kurt Ferenz for another, you know, however many years. Basically, they're saying, "Hey, you can coach here as long as you want. We don't care what your record record is or what the statistics are or how bad a shape the the team is in." And so, I, I've I've gotten used to over the years being completely let down by the yeah. Iowa Hawkeye football uh, squad. So. You know, you get every once in a while, there's like flashes of greatness where it's like, oh, my God, we're undefeated 10 weeks in. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then and then, you know, we make it to the one year we made it to the Orange Bowl and just got demolished by yeah. Reggie yeah, Bush one, and Matt Leinard. Yeah, just become one dimensional. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man, as, as a Nittany Lion fan, you guys are like our kryptonite. Exactly. Just, exactly. You know, <laughs> we, we'll come in two, rank two, three, or four, and then next thing you know, we're leaving that stadium with a loss, and then the next couple of weeks, it's like we put on a string of losses. It's like, yeah, we weren't that good, I guess. But yeah. and I, I'll tell you what, though, that stadium is uh, – you don't want to play there at night. I mean, it's so cool. I mean, yeah. I think any big time program, you don't want to be playing at that stadium away on a primetime game. But, you know, I don't know. There's just something about Big Ten football on a night game. Like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The SEC is pretty remarkable and, and seeing all that stuff. But I don't know, man. It's still like, I, you know, you hear Death Valley at LSU on a mm-hmm. Saturday night game. I've watched it. I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know. It might. I was at the very first whiteout, so I guess yeah. I'm spoiled. Like yeah. I was a student, I was a student there for the Ohio State game uh, when we beat them there. It was just a student body only, and then you know, then we did it for the whole crowd. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I yeah. mean, not to sound like a homer, if you have a chance to come out to a whiteout game, uh, it's it's pretty pretty freaking sweet to see. One of my favorite memories, and I, I think about this all the time, is Iowa at Penn State. During a whiteout, during a night game, both teams are ranked top 10. You guys might have been four at the time. Yeah. 
and Adrian Claiborne blocks that punt. Oh my! Yep. And runs it back for a touchdown. I was yep. sitting in Kansas, in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, watching it on my uncle's TV, and I went bananas. <laughs> like I was, ah! He's I like, was, what's going on? I was actually that was like a year or two removed from my undergrad and I remember it was my first time st- sitting in that stadium on the opposite side mm-hmm. so it would it would have been on I was uh sideline and I was at like the 20 cuz it was a friend's season tickets basically and we were like 20 rows up and at the time I was working at the re- or the hotel as a manager cuz that was my undergrad degree at first and so I was in charge of all the away football teams meals okay so like running all that stuff. And so I got a chance to know the coaches a little bit and try to talk to them and all that type of stuff. And Kirk was a good dude. And I remember Dan walking through getting my, my employees to pick up some stuff and seeing Adrian Claiborne walk through. And I, and I mean, there's, trust me, you name it. Every team that went through that, that uh, cycle at Penn state, I saw all these guys. Like I saw Derek Henry and, mm-hmm. and all those dudes Derrick Henry and Claiborne were the two largest specimen that I've ever seen. And I'm a small guy. Like I'm not a big dude, but so, but these guys were enormous. And then that next day when he blocked that punt and, and scored on that touchdown, like he blocked it, picked it up and scored. I was like, man, this dude's going to go to the NFL. And boom, he, he did. Dominate, he ended up yeah. Going like, yeah, yeah. First or second round. The that's, bucks, I think. Yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It's funny how things like sports, can really captive. I don't know what it is about sports. Like you just, you're so invested in something like for deer hunting, I'm invested in deer hunting, but I also, I also participate in it. Like, but I'm also invested in college football and I don't participate in it in any, I've, I've never participated in it. I've played football in or in high school and that's it. But I don't know what it is about sports that makes people go absolutely bananas. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just uh it's bigger than us, I guess. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? And we want to be we want to be a part of that. And um, but I mean it'll be interesting to see, like we were just saying about the whole landscape of the divisions, the conferences expanding, mm-hmm. but also now is also for college football the it went from a four team playoff to now a twelve team playoff. So you gotta finish in that top twelve, you have a pretty good chance. Yeah, that 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 will be interesting. So is this the first year they're doing that? Yeah, this is. Oh man, it's gonna get crazy. I are they all at large? Or like, is it gonna be the top twelve rated teams, or are they gonna be doing conference championship champions too? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think I'm, I'm not sure I'm probably, I, if I, I don't know the exact answer, but I would say like the, what they normally have done as far as like the conference winners have that shoe in, in a sense. <clears throat> but then after that, you probably have to just be ranked within that 15 to be considered. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man, that, that would be crazy to see like uh, an undefeated Ohio state get upset by a, a six and six, 
uh, conference <laughs> or division champion out of the West and, yep. and then go play for the national, like go to the, the division and, or the, the playoff and just get smoked by the next person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Gosh, I know. That's the one aspect of, I forget. I always bust kids. I've, although I teach where Penn state is located, you still have a couple kids wearing some scarlet and, and gray. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm proud alumni and all that stuff. And, I just always like busting busting these kids' chops when they come in wearing something else. Right. Right. We do that with Iowa State. Yeah. We're like, oh, look at him. He's wearing Iowa State. (laughs) You little little cyclone. (laughs) Yeah. Good good boy. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, We got to, we're going to talk about deer hunting, but I got one more thing. This is dumb. This is stupid, okay? So if you want to just say pass after I ask this question, (laughs) we can. Dinsmore. Every yep. time I read an email, I see an email pop up from you, or I read your name, or like right now, dude, all I am thinking about is Dinty Moore beef stew. I've never heard of it. You've that. never heard of Dinty Moore beef stew, dude? I don't oh. like it. Is like I grew up on this canned beef stew, it had absolutely no nutritional value you know when you were like my parents got divorced you know money was tight and my mom would go to Aldi's and Walmart and buy these cans of Dinty Moore beef stew ton like Dinty Moore beef stew and like a middle class luxury and so during the summer times man I would eat Dinty Moore beef stew all all summer long right and yeah. so I'd <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just had to tell you that hey, you, yeah. your name reminds me of beef stew. That's I like that. Hey, I'm associated. I'd rather be associated with beef stew than like something worse. You know? Yeah, so, right. So there we go. Right. All right. Um, let's talk about deer hunting, dude. Uh, yeah, let's get it. So the last time we talked, you were talking about going on a scouting mission to Ohio. Ohio. Okay. Yeah. And you were talking about all these hypothetical things, but now you've actually gone on the scouting mission to these areas. Let's talk about what, what you located. What, what did you find? Yeah, I would say right off the bat, I wasn't wowed. Yeah. Um, and I think many things plays a role into that. I think the number one aspect is for sure the time frame that we went, right? We went smack dab July wasn't, you know, it, that's your, your green of green is up, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? Um, the, the good thing about it though, was, was there still showed promise mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, the, the first day that we went, we kind of did a big loop around the, the big chunk of piece. And, uh, it seemed like the good area, somebody already had it mapped out. There was like an old stand still there. You could see where, where some of the, trails converged to one spot there was a good scrape there but it was too predictable if that made sense and it just seemed like all the other like a saddle that really i don't know why but on the map you really didn't see it um but but when you're there with boots on the ground we got into some really decent stuff and then we worked our way to a back corner and found some better sign as well and then the next day when we went like obviously i'm just like summarizing and we could break it down but then the next day we went back to a different corner of that same piece and we found even better sign oh that's uh, awesome 
Yeah. So like it wasn't again, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get in here. And, you know, as we worked our way through and and worked our way back to that back corner day two, we got in on like different creek bottoms, mm -hmm. little crossing, some real good thick stuff. And like my buddy Tim and I that were that will be hunting that and another friend Tom came with us like over the one creek crossing where it just got really it just felt right. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It just had a, it set up really good. Like you turn around and you're like, yeah, that's the tree that I want to be in. So, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to hunt it. Uh, I just, at that point in time of the year, deer just aren't there. I, but I know like the sign, the old hit, the old historical sign was there from the season. It's just not there right then and there during the summer, which is totally yeah. fine. I'd, yeah. I'd rather hunt it when they're going to be there. Right. That's a fact. Okay. So, I want to talk a little bit about topography lines because mm -hmm. you mentioned that you would e-scout and then you're like, well, maybe it doesn't look like anything's really there, but then you put your boots on the ground and you located uh, some, some terrain that the mm -hmm. topo lines weren't picking up. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So when you look at it on, on the map there, it, I mean, it look it has what Ohio is known for those rolling hills, right? And and that was uh, very predictable. But then inside these timber pieces, like there are kind of like little micro patches, I guess you could kind of say that certain one, certain ones were bigger. And you're like, oh wow, look at all these, you know, kind of a little bit of pines were in in this like section. And then you go over, and then there were a couple uh, some oaks were in a different section, basically. Uh, and then, like I said, as we were walking you saw you were working your way up the ridges and you saw that and then it looked like on the map that it just flattened out a little bit mm -hmm. and as you crest over it was almost like that little micro bench and then it just dropped mm -hmm. down on the other side and like i don't know it just didn't show itself like that on the map and right on top of that flat of that saddle it was just littered of different trails and some some scrapes we saw um and they were they weren't going from like one end to the other. They were like kind of going across on top of that flat, um, and then it just dropped down to another bottom into a creek system. And um, you know, I, and I think that's the aspect of one of the the learning curves that I wanted to improve upon the last couple of years was not relying so much on the map, mm -hmm. but getting in there and actually seeing how the layout is. And uh, Steve Shirk from Pennsylvania, uh, you know that's one of the questions that I know he gets asked a lot is about e-scouting. And I know he really doesn't do a lot. He just goes out there and, and just goes and tell like the woods, he lets the woods tell him mm -hmm. and dictate his, his process. And that was kind of, I think our, even though it was like a two, I would say like a 24 hour scouting mission, like speed scout, but that's what we wanted to see. What was the kind of the layout. And yeah. I mean, man, I'll tell you what, if you have a water access to get in there, there's other pieces that I think we're like, Hey, when we come out here, we might have to bring some canoes with us or our kayaks just to get back to the other side that we really didn't check out because, um, you know, it was very difficult to get to that side. So I don't know, Dan, I, I just think the importance of getting there and seeing that, because again, the map was saying one thing and, and while you're there, it told you different. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man, my before I lost this little section of property, uh, I lost, I lost two years ago. I lost about a hundred total acres. 
Uh, it, it got split and bought by a, a different group of people. They're hunters. I can't hunt it anymore. But it had it had what I would say is the best tree stand location that I've ever, ever, ever found. And yep. it was edge. Like, it was right on edge of thickness and open timber. So we had that going for us. We had, on a west wind, there was a huge drop-off on the east-facing slope. So... Um, west wind would take your thermals up and if, and then, so access down, you take, you go low, you J hook right up into it and you get in the stand. And once you're in the stand, nothing can smell you. I mean, it's just like the perfect, the perfect stand. And then if it is a cloudy day and thermals are still pulling down, let's say in the morning, they pull down into the steepness where no deer go. And then they, they blow out the bottom of it where also no, no deer go. And so yeah. the deer are up on this ridge. And so if, if they were to come close, yeah, there would be a chance. But then once the sun came up and the thermals would switch, man, it was money. And then on top of that, there was a, a little what I call a spur ridge that would come off of the main ridge, but it paralleled it. It didn't go, it didn't go 90 degrees down. It paralleled yeah. it. So it was almost like this subtle terrain, but it would go, it went all the way along the, the main ridge. That right there did not show up on, uh, you couldn't see that on top of lines. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, that, the other piece about that was too, was like those Creek bottoms, like I talked about, not non-existing on any, no matter what brand, what other company app we were using, all three of us had different ones basically. And not a single one showed these, these Creek bottoms. And that's exactly like you were saying about edge and some different habitats. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's where everything was more littered with as far as sign was concerned. And that, that was not on the map. And so that would have been the lowest point of the terrain. Yeah. Probably when, where the wind would swirl a, a lot and then they felt comfortable yep. catching scent from yep. all directions. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Man, that's, and it, I bet you that feels good to find that, right? It did. Yep. So the question now is you, you get, you know why the deer are there. It's because it's like a scent tornado down in yep. there. Yep. Now you got to figure out how are you going to hunt it? Right. And so, so what we were deciding on is there were those strips of like, uh, like how I was saying how there was micro little patches of the timber and going down was the rolling hills. Mm-hmm. And we figured out that we would be able to get into that area work our way about halfway and when we cut into one that like the second day basically to see how the ridges aligned with that creek bottom system that's where we found some pretty good trails and they were like little micro benches Mm -hmm. so it's almost like coming in through the side to wrap around and setting up just on one of those trails and that's where uh going back to now putting a camera is going to be you know an important piece of that puzzle just to see which way those deer are moving yeah um but i mean kind of one of those things too it's like you go for broke too not necessarily hunting those bottoms but getting to that thick and edge like looking at that edge from where the bedding could possibly be possibly on that other side of that creek bottom because when we crossed into that dan it was like i was the lucky man because i was either the middle guy or the end so those two were like busting through like needed the machete basically yeah i mean that's where looking at how the layout of that was that's where i think the bedding was or will be or could be and then kind of where the 
crossing was happening and what the sign was telling us just right outside that edge. And it's just working your way across those ridge systems, dropping down just ever so slightly and, and hunting it that way. Um, just right outside that, that, that sign basically. Yeah. What was the food scenario in this area? So, you know, nearby looking at it, I mean, there were a couple private pieces that had some, some, uh, fields i guess you could say like had the crops uh there were a couple oaks and uh really i mean friggin there's browse till last us the last them for years to come basically yeah um what was really cool is the one the last day when we were walking out uh we're just working our way through just to kind of make it a little bit easier on ourselves just because of how thick and briar nasty it was we were walking through and my cell, my watch dinged because I had a buck come on camera from here. And I was like, oh man, uh, I just got a really good buck picture. And we're like, okay, like, cool. Like let's work down through and, and check the, check this terrain feature out. And as soon as we did that, something caught my eye. I was like, stop, stop. And we put up the binos and it was a pretty good buck. And that was in July. Oh, wow. I mean, you could tell he was pretty good and he just moseyed his way through, um, and right where he kind of was, there was a couple patches of uh, some some oaks. So, you know, I, I think that when you find that pocket of oaks there and and uh, that will play a big role in, into what maybe we try to get in on. And yeah. because, like I said, it, it just seemed like where we walked in at, it was a very they're just moving through that. There wasn't really anything keeping them there, but then some of the spots, like I said, down in that Creek bottom system where it was really thick, especially on that other side, I think that's where they're really congregating and, and really kind of calling home. Yeah. Um, how much of an impact do you think that that private land ag is going to have? Um, I would say a lot. Okay. I mean, I, so for me personally, I'm not, I don't hunt ag. Like I have zero experience, so I am as green as green gets with it. Um, I, I think, judging on it, I think it, it it could, depending on I guess when things are picked and what really is going to be there in, in the whole. You know, I think too, if if acorns are dropping, I think they're going to be in there sucking those up, mm-hmm. like back. You know what I mean? So I think it will play a good role, but I don't know if it's going to be the end all be all to them. And I don't know how much pressure this spot really gets as well. I mean, if it gets a ton, maybe it'll play even more of a role and be kind of closer to the whole private side, maybe to hunt that as well. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that will go. And that's the other reason why I really want to go because it, this is like the long game for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want this to be this Ohio trip to be, Oh, I went to Ohio in 2023. Like I want to go each year, learn and develop these different skill sets. So that way, you know, if it branches out to other states, I, at least I know uh, what to deal with. Right. Right. So when's your trip? So as of right now, looking at October uh, back-to-back weekends for like the 14th and the 21st weekends. Okay. So it's not throughout the week. It's just two weekends you're going. Yeah, okay. so I'll do like Friday, Friday right after school, um, sleep in the truck, hunt all day Saturday, hunt all day Sunday, do the same thing the following weekend, and then if, you know, when the rut 
when I'll take some time uh, during the week of November, if something happens and need to change the scenery or something like that, I'll just drive the two and a half, three hours uh, to go West instead of going East. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, that I used to think two hours was a long time, but man, after you drive yeah. out West for an elk hunt or something like that, it, it's, it takes nothing. I have a, a my, one of my Iowa farms is three hours away. And yeah. it's a pretty good farm, and it's worth driving to. So, yeah, I mean, you could, you know, be there by a Saturday, you know, for a Saturday morning hunt, depending on what time you get out of school on Friday. Yep, exactly. That's it. That's the game plan for for right now. That's yeah. the game plan as of now. Um, things could obviously change, you know, and kind of going back to saying about hunting Maryland early season. I mean, that's that's the other key thing too. It's like okay, those deer. Not saying it's going to be a similar type of hunt but again that's going to be where i'm hunting on the public land piece it's one of those where you have to call and make the reservation like where you are one of like 12 or 13 hunters allowed to hunt that day on that public land piece because okay. it is smaller um all that stuff and uh luckily i got in for both days to the one piece that, that we really wanted to get to but you know looking at it it, it offers timber it offers some uh you know when i said to my buddy who i'm who i'll be going with he goes, Hey, look at this map. So this one was from the DNR because even though it's not a big piece already, there's huntable spots, uh, as far as what you are allowed to hunt and what you're not allowed to hunt. So even though like I'm throwing a number out there, let's just say it's, uh, a hundred acres, really, there might only be 40 acres. That's actually, you are allowed to hunt because oh, okay. other pieces of it are used for X, Y, and Z. So, but there's some, some fields there. And then if you look at a rectangle inside that rectangle is that public land piece above it is private below it is private and those two private pieces have fields the one on on public where we can hunt has a couple fields so there's some really good uh areas now some of them kind of stick out like a sore thumb on the map with like wow i should hunt there so yes you are one of 13 a uh, dozen of hunters so hopefully there's enough space to go around and if that makes sense but you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see how, I know it's early season, so we'll be kind of doing different things, but I'm anxious to see how the deer use the 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 home farms, the private farms to this public land piece. Yeah. So that way that will help me even maybe learn a little bit that could help me in, in Ohio as well. Yeah. Uh, did you set any cams out? Uh, in Ohio? Mm -hmm. Just just one okay uh, like i said nothing really jumped out to us as far as like nothing would help us right now and uh tim and i we are planning to go like sometime this week not this weekend but sometime in september right before just to do another little speed scout mission and, and okay. get out there and, and do some more uh is this a statewide tag like can you, can you go anywhere in the state of ohio yeah okay all right so that that kind of brings up the next question i have for you and that is you've scouted this place you are you know you go down there that one weekend and it's dog crap like yep. no no movement or tons of pressure or you know it's ju it's just not working out how do you rebound from that and are you then going do you have multiple plans like i got if this property sucks there's plan b if plan b sucks there's plan c yeah i would definitely say uh plan b would then be using Tim's past knowledge for where he has hunted there in the past. I know too, like the one spot where he's gone to, he kind of, he 
I don't know if he believes I, if I, I don't want to quote him, but from my, if I could re- remember correctly, it was a weird timing for like when he went out there and he didn't see as much as I think he should have, if that kind of makes sense. Like it was during a really good time. He had saw a good sign. He just wasn't in it right then and there. Yeah. Um. So using kind of his historical, you know, information of what he's done in there in the past. And, you know, there's a lot, now there's not as much as obviously as there is here in Pennsylvania where we get vast and vast and vast of thousands upon thousands, but there's little chunks. And I think also uh, knocking on some doors maybe won't hurt as well. I know it'll be a little bit late to the game for that aspect of things, but you know, just kind of looking at the public land pieces and worst case scenario, Dan, like plan C, there's a, one of the biggest pieces. I know it gets hunted hard from what I've gathered from other hunters and everything like that, man, okay that i deal with that here as well in pennsylvania so it's just kind of getting in there and putting boots on the ground and, and going and if that means that saturday we're like dude this is just not it this isn't where we need to be use tomorrow as that full scout day yeah. have your bow have have the bow in hand because you never know obviously right. but get out there and find because then you know you're I'm dedicating, like I said, a minimum of two full weekends, so four full days of of some Ohio hunting uh, at the minimum list. Yeah, and that's one thing that I personally had to learn how to do, and I know a lot of guys like yourself who hunt public um, or even, uh, you know, all the other guys out there who hunt high-pressured public ground or high-pressured properties. It doesn't necessarily have to be public, but you learn – you don't. You're, you not only learn the terrain and try to find where deer move, but you also learn how to not necessarily how other people hunt, but how to hunt around other people. Right. And so, for me, like on the main farm that I've hunted, you know, some of these tree stands had been there for twenty plus years, and they, <laughs> they they're still there, and I still hunt them, and I've had all my success in in some of these properties flanking them. And going where the deer are like, dude, we know you're there. You've yeah. been here for 20 years. We're gonna we're gonna skirt around you, and that's where I'm at. And yeah. so, and being mobile, my stand isn't there all the time. And so, I don't know, man. I I hope I hope when you get down there, there's nobody there. It's like the <laughs> perfect conditions. It's like it's like an October full blown rut for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, after obviously doing the podcast now for four years and talking to individuals and going off of my own knowledge and and experience, you know, man, some of those early October days like that, like I said, that first weekend that I plan on going out there of of the 14th, I mean, it's a three days earlier than what I'm what I've used to. But around that 16th through the 18th, man, I've had some really cool buck encounters and I'm talking good bucks, not just like two year old deer. Mm-hmm. I'm talking really good bucks that I would have no hesitation of, of, uh, you know, taking a shot at if, if the shot opportunity, you know, came about, but you know, I, you never know what, what could happen during that time frame. You still might get a buck coming in, checking a scrape or something along those lines and going to a feeding source and, uh, you know, food source and, you know, set up in the right spot and get a crack at one. Yeah. All right, so you go there. You know, you, you talked about your your backup plans if that doesn't yep. work. What happened? Like, how are how do you plan on micro adjusting in the area if it is good and it's hot 
and talk to us about the strategy where it's like, hey, man, I know deer are in here. I've seen them, but I have to make these little micro adjustments like going 40 yards or going 80 yards that way or like talk to us about that part of this strategy. Yeah, that's the aspect I think that I've done uh, a better job of over the years. And that's because of obviously like you just alluded to earlier of saying like being mobile, Mm -hmm. you know, since since I've gone from a climber to the hang on to a saddle now for the last four years, I mean, you could pick any tree you could get up in. Now you may not have have the luxury of getting say 15 plus feet. It might only be nine feet off the ground, but if that's the tree that you know you could shoot that trail or shoot a scrape or just to be in that right off wind basically to get that opening to that deer coming through, Yeah, I mean, there you go. You, you're able to do that. So, and I think, you know, that's a question I always like asking my guests is, you know, how far do you push that envelope, right? Like you get into that spot and you're seeing sign, you know, you need to do, uh, get up, set up, but like, what's that right area. Mm-hmm. And for me, I like being in between if I could shoot a trail, like a good trail that I see, don't get me wrong. I hope I could, my goal is to shoot that. But then my hope is also to be able to shoot a faint trail or somewhere else that I could hopefully dissect um, where a buck might not take that same trail that the younger bucks or the doe are mainly using Um, just that way. Now, don't get me wrong. That's the hard part, right? Like if I'm on, if I'm on the the right side of the trail, um, you know, and that deer's on the further right side, making it a further shot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That's going to be tougher. Um, That's just, you know, that's deer hunting, I guess, but that's that's my main goal is to try to find that that right spot where my wind is still given to him a little bit or the deer a little bit but i have the the chance to at least get a full draw and get the shot off and um you know i'd i think i fell victim too many times to the wind has to be perfect oh it has to be in my wind and not not their wind um but yeah in that heat of the moment being mobile and and being able to shoot the trails or or the scrapes or something along those lines that's the key for me gotcha um when you go back and do that september scouting mission are you going to be hanging more trail cameras again yeah no doubt about it i think just because now if deer are coming through there hopefully we will see some rubs hopefully we'll see some more scrapes kind of opened up at that point in time and again if it kind of just confirms on the one side of hey this is just their walkthrough going back into bedding down over the ridge basically then we know okay we could access it from that other side cut in and work our way down to where we found the older sign basically and if that's all fresh up down there then we know you know kind of that game plan going from there does the public border the food on private directly pretty close yeah pretty okay. close on that yeah right. in that back corner yeah okay so everything you've told me makes it sound like as soon as the that crops get out and the deer start to move a little bit more as we progress through october man i really feel like based off of everything you told me i've never been yeah. to any of these properties yeah. i've never seen it on a map that you're the deer will you're gonna start seeing things go down yeah 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 do you was there any sign of humans like guys that have left their stands up in there and things just, like that just just like early on like when we were working our way up like your typical like oh i made it up to the 
to the top here mm -hmm. and walked, I don't know, a hundred yards. And like I said, that was a, I don't know if it was a mock scrape or, or what, you know, we kind of looked at these trails converging like up over, up over from another side, from a pine side. And then there was like a real thick briar, thick, nasty stuff coming up on the opposite and it all converged together. When we were looking at that. I'm like, Hey, look, there's a scrape. That looks pretty good. And then like, we just turned left and there was a, you know, just our typical Pennsylvania thing. Like it's just here in Pennsylvania on public land. And it's always like, okay, this looks good. And like, you just, your eyes, <laughs> you, your, your head. As you know, you had a bust ass to get up top of the, uh, like on yeah. top of the, the mountain basically. And it flattened out. And then, you know, like I said, maybe with, it was definitely less than a hundred yards yeah. and it was easy. And here's the other piece. That piece, Dan, was easy to get to because, again, we weren't scouting yeah. right there. We knew we where we wanted to go to prior, you know, prior to getting there. We were on our way there, but it made sense. Yeah. And um, really, other than that, like especially when we got down to that real thick stuff, no, there was, there was really no no human uh, sign. Okay. And uh, with that said, then is there water? in the low spots yeah okay that's a win that's yeah a win. big time yeah uh, well do you find yourself do you feel like you're going to gravitate low or high i think i'm going to be in that middle okay you know what i mean i i, I do um again kind of i don't want to go for broke on that first sit basically and just blow it all up like you said with the wind swirling everywhere but i kind of want to be on that outskirt middle and yep. and uh you know hopefully catch something yeah. Anything else on this trip that you found interesting or that made you go, oh, man, this is the right spot? Um, You know, like I said, going back to that whole access with possibly with, you know, a, a kayak or something like mm -hmm. that. Now, again, we didn't work our way down that whole side um, just because we did a general, you know, think of uh, think the more centerpiece. And then there was, say, the far, uh, far northeast corners where we then the second day we really hammered home and then that yeah. far west side uh it would it would have been a trek i mean we could have done it but at the same time um the easiest route to get there was through some real thick stuff and crossing the water and that at that point it was pretty deep like we would have needed to go swimming basically yeah um and uh so to access that far side on the easiest route would to be by kayak or canoe so i mean that's the one area where looking at it, I think could also be really good just because I mean, who's all I'm don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's hunters using the kayaks and all that stuff, but I don't think every Tom, Dick and Harry is. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Well, that's good, man. I mean, it sounds yeah. like if anything, you have a really good starting point for yeah. the, this, this piece. And obviously you got someone who's hunted it before and that's a, yep. like going with that kind of person it, that's a that's a good thing and, and uh man i i hope you uh i hope you pull it off and i hope you yeah. slay the ohio state record typical whitetail <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some oh man a bunch of buckeye fans would be pissed yeah, yeah i know some some penn stater comes down and <laughs> kills the ohio state record that would be crazy yeah. oh man um, that's good, man. So, I mean, you got a starting point. It sounds like you, uh, you, you got a plan. Uh, I can't wait to hear, I want to catch up probably sometime yep. late October after you did those two weekends and, and catch sure. up again and, and, uh, 
see if your evaluation of this property paid off and if you uh you slayed the beast yeah yeah, yeah. i'm excited and, and to kind of just kind of wrap things up with that dan was the you you brought up a good point about like when when do you kind of give up on on a spot and like when do you just not know i think that's the beauty of obviously where we went and the timing obviously like i said wasn't the greatest we you know i'm sure we would have saw a lot more better sign postseason but the grand scheme of things i think we'll know pretty early like this isn't the spot or this yeah. is a spot so that way we still have plenty of time to go uh, like we already talked about to a different spot for sure and that's yeah. that's the beauty of it that's awesome man that's awesome and that's the best part about having public ground all yeah. over you know all around and that's hey shit doesn't go right let's go off to the next piece off to the next piece exactly. off to the next piece and you just keep going until you you connect with something man so oh yeah good luck appreciate right. it uh thanks for taking time out of your day to to hop on and and anytime do this podcast man and uh i'm looking forward to hearing about uh, your success Thanks, Dan, so much for everything that you do as far as the network is concerned and and, uh, having me on. It's always a great pleasure. And there you have it. Another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles in the books. Huge shout out to Jeremy. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Ozonics, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, and Huntworth. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Uh, Last but not least, if you're going to be in a tree stand, make sure you wear your damn safety harness. Go to iTunes, leave a review. Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we will talk to you next time.